The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. Some good songs today and good music today. I hope that you uh, opened your your heart up this morning and worshipped. And uh, I was looking around this morning and I saw we had a, a visitor. We have several visitors and uh, I do that a lot of times up here and I I wonder who is that person, and I want to get I want to meet that person before the service is out. So I said, "There's a lady here this morning that's sitting up here at the front, and I don't know her. I got to looking at her, and it's Tana. <laughs> and uh, you have grown up, girl, and you're beautiful. I, I could not that you were ever ugly, but <laughs> uh, I couldn't believe that Tana has uh, has grown so much, and I haven't seen her in several years. It's great to have you this morning, and." Uh, I didn't. I, w- I was sitting there looking. And I kept thinking, "Who is that? I, I got that. Got to know who that person is." So I can't believe that. But turn to Romans. It kind of goes along with what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to be in Romans chapter sixteen. If you have your Bible, you might as well turn there because that's that's where we're basically going to be most of this morning, <clears throat> and maybe into this early afternoon. But uh, we're going to talk about the power of positive encouragement and. Uh, Y'all may have heard about the uh, the lady. They, her and her husband, been married for several years, and uh, she's standing in front of the mirror, and they're getting ready to go. And she says, uh, "Oh my, my my hearing's going, my hair's graying, my chins are multiplying, my my uh, my wrinkles are uh, are showing up, and uh, you know my metabolism my metabolism is slowing down, my age spots are growing." Uh, I need to hear something positive from you today. And the husband said, well, your sight's nearly perfect. <laughs> uh, so you chew on that a little while and maybe you can figure that out. Uh, but the power of positive encouraging. Is that positive encouraging? That's a little bit. I mean, good sight. No, it's not. <laughs> the ladies are saying no and husband's going, yeah, I, I think that's pretty positive. Uh, in Romans chapter 16, we, we were in Romans 16 the last couple of weeks, and we kind of uh, are kind of moving backwards in Paul's letter. Uh, we, we looked at the last things that Paul had to say in his letter, and uh, this morning we're going to look at cherishing your spiritual family, and these remarks from Apostle Paul, they're about his love and his compassion for the Christians in Rome. And... Uh, I'll tell you this morning that that what we're going to talk about works at home uh, as well as in the church, uh, in your family, uh, in your workplace, uh, in your hobbies. This this ideal that we find here from Paul uh, is effective in all of those areas. And today we're going to be talking about the power of positive encouraging. Many of you may be familiar with Norman Vincent Peale and his book, The Power of Positive Living. Uh, and his book won't get you to heaven by any means, but uh, it, it really will help you approach life with the right kind of, from the right aspect. And uh, Dr. Vance Havner, y'all may or may not have heard of him. He's a pastor from long ago. He had a lot of quips and quotes, and uh, he, was a, he was a real pistol. He was a lot of fun to hear, and he had a lot of funny sayings. And uh, he was asked one time uh, what he thought of Norman Vincent Peale and his writings compared to the Apostle Paul's. 
And uh, apparently, uh, Vance Havner, Dr. Havner, must not have liked to appeal too much because he said this. This was his reply. I find Peel appalling, but I find Paul appealing. And uh, today we want to uh, appeal to the Apostle Paul to learn some things about what Paul has to say. And, and uh, I'll say this again. I mentioned this about three or four weeks ago that, that this is uh, the book of Romans. It's, it's Paul's magnum opus, you might say. I mean, it's his crowning book. It's his greatest work. It's, it's kind of what the Sistine Chapel would be to Michelangelo or the, the Mona Lisa to Da Vinci. It, it's, it's his greatest work. And uh, he goes higher and deeper in the book of Romans than he does in any of the rest of his writings. And we come to the end of this letter, and uh, it's uh, chapter 16, and it's kind of a postscript. You know, I, I mentioned that a couple of weeks ago, that uh, as this comes to a, a close, Paul kinds of, of, of signs this, authenticates the letter, and it's kind of a, a postscript of, of what he has to say. And, and what he's talking about this day are some of his friends. And this morning, as we start into this, and I'm going to read a bunch of names, and I'm horrible at reading these biblical names, but I want to remind you that every word of the Bible is inspired. So we're going to look, if you're, if you're in Romans chapter 16, and you start there in verse 1, you can already see that, that through 16 verses there, there's a bunch of names. And, and the Bible is the inspired Word of God. So why are those names there? Why, why would we need to see those and why would we need to know those? And, and we're going to look at those and talk about the reason I believe they're there. And, uh, you know, when we learn a lot about the, the Christian life from the Apostle Paul and about the Christian life and, and, and reading just what his comments are, and and when my kids were growing up, we talked about this a little bit earlier. Uh, I talked to Doug about this. Do y'all still, if you're in school, and I'm talking about uh, high school mainly, maybe even junior high, y'all still get an annual, right? Are they still called annuals? No. What are they called? Yearbook. Yearbook, okay. Yearbook, annuals, same thing, right? And in your yearbook, do you pass them out to people and let them sign them? Oh, my stars. Why not? What, what age did you stop doing that? Okay, we did. That was, you graduated in what year? 2008. Okay, John, did y'all? You graduated in... You don't know what year you graduated? <laughs> did you graduate? <laughs> Maybe that's why you're still home. <laughs> I thought he was going to work all these mornings. He's going to school. Fifteen? Okay. Thank you, Tana. She knows what year they graduated. So sometime between 2008 and 2015, you lost a great thing. Because what we did is uh, towards the end of the year, and matter of fact, this week coming up, the last week of school, we would take our yearbook and we would give it to all our friends. And our friends would go, and they might sign their picture. But on the last few pages of the yearbook, what did you have? Just blank pages. What was that for? That was for all your friends to write something special about you. And what they did, they would write some memory that they had of you, something that was fun, something they'll remember you by, and especially your senior year. 
You wanted, to, you wanted to get all your friends to sign that, and you didn't just want a signature, did you? You wanted, you wanted something written in there. Denise wrote a whole page in mine. Can you believe that? She loved me back then. And uh, she wrote a, a whole page uh, of something, and, and, uh, and I can go back today, do what? Of something. <laughs> well, I don't want to share it with anyone. It's so personal and private. Uh, but, but when we, years ago, sometimes Jacob and JC and maybe even John would, would get our yearbooks out and they would read what people wrote about it. They didn't care much about the pictures because they would go back and look at pictures and go, I'd say, ooh, you know, boy, she was a good looker. And, and they'd go, oh, boy, they, she don't look good at all. You know, and, and every, every age group does that. They look back at your yearbook and say, well, all y'all, none of those people you went to school with were good looking. But, you know, the big hair with the fluffed up sides and all that, that was, boy, if you had that, you had it going on, right, Ronnie? That was happening, you know, big hair and leg warmers and all of those things. Whew, go back to those days, you know. But uh, but what what looking at those things weren't near as fun, and and uh, and reading someone's signature wasn't near as fun as seeing what they had to write about you. And so so our family would get a, a little enjoyment from going back and and reading and 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 saying, boy. This doesn't look like something you would do. This person wrote about you, and they said this about you, and I can't believe that's about you. And then you're like, yeah, I, I, I was young once. You know, I've not always been a preacher and boring, and, you know, I, I had a life one time too. And, and so, so today as we look at this, uh, we're going to see what Paul is doing. And, and he, takes his, he takes these verses in these first 20 verses here and, and he talks about his Christian family and he talks about how we should treat our Christian family. Now next week we're going to learn how to deal with our foes. Uh, those those outside of our family who may be Christians, but but they're not those those folks that 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 we that we deal with on the same basis that we deal with our our Christian family that's a part of us, and so we'll look at that next week. But this morning we're going to talk about how to cherish your spiritual family. And this morning, if you're a born again Christian and you're here, we are a family of God, not just East Delta, but even beyond East Delta, anyone who is a Christian today, they're. A part of our family, and this first thing that I want to talk about is cherishing our spiritual family, is what Paul is is describing here and the feelings that he has here for his believers in Christ, his Christian family. And and it's kind of, Paul had love, he had compassion for the Christians at Rome, and here are the personal remarks he had to make about them. So when we look at 16 and we say, well, here we are, chapter 16, and here's the first 16 verses, just a bunch of names, I'm going to skip all that and I'm going to get down to verse 17. Well, if we do that, and and honestly, I've done that before. I kind of just just go over these names. Here's a here's a greeting to this person from Asia, and and these other people, and these, and just kind of skip through those to get down to here's what must be written. But this morning, we're actually going to look at some names, and I'm going to stumble around through them, and we're going to talk about what these mean. And and there's a couple of ways that that we can cherish our spiritual family. And, and uh, the first is this, we need to share positive affirmations about them. When I was a youth minister, we had a, a, a Wednesday night, maybe once a month, that, that we just said, we're going to have affirmations tonight. And boy, when I first done that, everybody hated it. 
uh, I would set everybody in a big circle, and I'd say, okay, who wants to start? And, uh, and here's how it started. Y'all may not have any idea what I'm talking about, but this morning, if I said, okay, today we're, gonna, we're, gonna have a, we're just going to have an Affirmation Sunday, and Jeremy, I want you to start. And what Jeremy would have to do is say, uh, Donnie, I love you because of some reason. You know, because you've always been a good friend to me. Now, I don't know if y'all are even friends or not. Uh, I don't think y'all are enemies. But, uh, but and, then, and then, so it was Donnie's turn. Donnie would say, John, I love you because, and, he, and she would give some reason. And, and it was called affirmations. And, and the first week, I mean, I had a bunch of guys. They, they played football and baseball, and, and, uh, and they'd sit over there, and they would just cross their arms, and they hated it. But I made them do it. And, and here's, here's the responses I got. The first week, I love you because you got nice hair. I, I, I love you because you, you're, uh, you're funny. Uh, I lo- and and they, was, they were all really just shallow, shallow things. I mean, I love you because you are a good football player. I love you because uh, you're a good cheerleader. I mean, they were just things that were, just, that were really shallow, but after uh, I was there several years, after several years, nobody minded. And you wouldn't believe how deep some of those affirmations went because as that group grew together, as they learned one another, as they loved one another, they realized that they loved, they loved one another for a deeper reason than just those superficial things. So, so Paul here, he's kind of has this, these affirmations that he's giving, and, and I want us to think about that in our church today. I'm not going to stop this morning and say, okay, we're going to have Affirmation Sunday today, and we're going to start with Steve, because Steve might not ever come back if we've done that. Uh, and, and, and I don't want anybody to do that this morning, but, and I think he would, but, uh, but, This morning, I want you to think about loving one another, the power of positive influence, the power of positive encouraging, and the way we do that is is sharing positive affirmations about one another. Paul lists 27 names, and of these 27 names, 21 of them, he has a a word of positive encouragement about. And, and he compliments those, and he does that in verses 1 through 15. So this morning, I want to meet some of Paul's friends. And Paul's friend says, the, the, just keep your Bible, as I said, open here. Verse 1, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of Christ in, in Caesarea, and I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints, and to give her any help that she may need from you, for she has been a great help to many people, including me. So Paul starts this letter out, and he's talking about Phoebe, and he says, hey, I want you to greet Phoebe. She's coming. Now, one thing I want you to to think about is Phoebe's not from this church. When I say this church, I don't mean this church, but I'm talking about the church that she's going to, and a lot of the people that are listed here are women, and uh, if you know anything about Jewish or even Roman culture this t- in this time, uh, when this was written, uh, th- women were considered second-class citizens. They were looked down upon, and there was not much value placed on them. So when we start reading this, we realize that there's something changing here. 
I mean, Paul lists all of these women, and not just women, but he lists a lot of women, and, and understanding the, the culture of the time and when this was written, this, that's a huge deal. So he's writing here, and he's, he says, Phoebe's just one of those, and he says here she is a servant, and many historians believe that she was a Christian businesswoman. And so she, she traveled around in Rome... As a, as a businesswoman, and, and literally she was carrying this letter from Paul to this church. So when we read that, she, he says here, uh, I want you to, to see our, our sister Phoebe. She's a servant of the church in Chinchuria. So, so he says, this is who she is. She, she's a servant of the church. She's helped me. She's helped many Christians, and, and I want you to receive her like you would receive me. Now, church, I want us to think about that. We have folks that come in and visit. We have folks that are from other churches. And I'm not going to even finish my sermon this morning. I'm just barely going to get started. But, but I want us to think about this. When we have those, we need to receive them as we would receive each other. We need to receive them as we would receive the leader of the church. We need to receive them as we would receive our Sunday school teacher or someone that leads out in the church. We need to receive them there. So Paul says, here's Phoebe. She's coming. She's bringing this letter. She's a servant of Christ. She's helped many Christians. She's even helped me, and I would like you to receive her as you would receive me. Let's read on in verse 3. Here's a Christian couple greeting, greet also Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow servants in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me, and not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. So he's describing this. He says in verse 5, greet also the church who meets in their home of Aquila and Priscilla. Now we know Aquila and Priscilla because... Uh, they're introduced to us in the book of, a book of Acts. And so when you read these, you might say, well, I've heard those names before, but where we really know them from is the book of Acts. And uh, they, Paul met this, 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 this couple, Aquila and Priscilla, uh, in Corinth, and they were Jews. And they, they had been run out of Rome because of, of uh, anti-Semitic uh, times there in Rome, so they had been run out of Rome, they had been persecuted, so they met Paul in Corinth. They were tent makers. That's who these, this man and wife were. They were tent makers, and uh, they began to work with Paul because Paul was also a tent maker. So they're, they're there together, they're, they're, uh, they're, they're working their trade together, they're in the process, and, and Paul develops a, a friendship with them. And he says there, Jesus is the fulfillment of all the Old Testament prophecies, Jesus is Messiah. So he's, he's teaching Aquila and Priscilla this. They're working together, they're practicing their trade together, they're tent builders together, Paul develops a f- friendship with them, and through that friendship, Paul begins to introduce that Jesus Christ, he's the Messiah, he's the one that is to come, and they're Jews, and they're looking for the Messiah. So through that, they become followers of Christ. They become Christians through that, through that relationship that, that they're, they're having there. I want, I want to make a little side note. Do, you, do the people you work with know you're a Christian? I mean, that's what we see in Paul. 
he, he, makes, uh, he meets this couple. They say, hey, we're tent makers. He goes, well, how about that? I'm a tent maker too. Let's get together and work together. So they're working together. As they're working together, he begins to say, hey, let me tell you about Jesus Christ. And, and they say, well, let's hear it. And, and they're working together, making tents together. He begins to explain who Christ is. And, and through that relationship, they become Christians. And I just wanted to think about that myself. Do the people that you work alongside, do they know that you're a Christian? And you might say, well, yeah, they should. I mean, they, they know a question. Well, well, what about them? Are they Christians? Do you know that? Do you know the people that you work with, that you work around? I mean, when we see the church developing here, that's how it's beginning. Folks, part of our responsibility as Christians is, is when you proclaim the gospel. I think it's real interesting as we look at, at how this proceeded. I think sometimes we, we think about sharing the gospel of, Hi, I'm from East Delta Baptist Church. Uh, this is so-and-so, we just come to visit you this morning, and, and what's happening then? You're going, oh, I'm nervous, I don't want to be here, and they're going, oh, brother, I don't want them here, and, and nothing happens, you know. I mean, sometimes something may happen, but, but for the most part, when we build a relationship with someone, we become friends with someone, we, we begin to spend time with them, all of a sudden they become interested in what we do, and we become interested in what they do, and that opens the door to, to let them be a part of this family. Then there was this young dynamic preacher, his name was Apollos. And he came to the church at Ephesus, and he was this fiery preacher. He was, he was dramatic. He was, he was young. He was powerful in what he had to say. And, and one night he's preaching along, and as he's preaching along, he's talking about the gospel of John, and he's talking about John the Baptist, and he's talking about there's one that is to come, and his name is going to be Jesus Christ. And, and as he's preaching about these things, guess who was there? Aquila and Priscilla was there, and they listened to him preach, and they heard his words, and, and after he got through preaching, you know what they did? They said, hey, preacher boy, why don't you come over to our house? We want to feed you. Y'all ought to do more of that. You know, I'm, I'm open for that anytime. So, so they said, come on over, we want to feed you. So they got him over to the house and they sat down and they, they began to, to feed him and they began to talk to him and, and they said, hey, we want to explain something to you. We want to tell you about Jesus Christ. Now, now this preacher, he wasn't doing anything wrong, but all he had was the gospel of John up to the John the Baptist. That's all he knew. That's all he understood. So, so they sat down and they, they began to tell him about Jesus Christ. And, and he accepted their message. And he said, oh, I see. I didn't realize the Messiah had came. And, and later, Paul writes, I planted, Apollos watered, and God gave the increase. That was, that was what took place behind the scenes. And, and God blessed those folks that are working behind the scenes. In the church, those who, who have an effectiveness, effective ministry behind the scenes. And that's what Paul is saying. He's saying, oh yeah, greet Priscilla and Aquila. They're my, they're my fellow servants in Christ. They're in the church there. I thank God throughout the years that there are unnamed people. So many unnoticed times that couples support, they appreciate, they affirm those who are serving the Lord. And the church don't see it. They're kind of behind the scenes doing those things. And, and we need to understand that, that no church building existed during these times. 
And so there was those, those people that were there affirming Christ. They're, they're, they're going, they're having churches in their homes, and that's what Aquila and Priscilla had done. They had, they had opened their homes for churches, and, and during that time, since there were no churches, there were small groups, there were, there were groups in homes, and, and every now and then they, they would gather together in some public venue that they might worship together. So, so we're looking here and we, we see that, that Paul says they're, they're a blessed couple. They've, they've worked in the Lord. They've, they've worked with other pastors. They've opened their church up. They've had, they've had, they had, they've opened their homes up and they've had churches there in their home. And then he goes on. Look in verse five. Keep reading. Greet my dear friends, Ephenus. The only thing we know about him that he was the first convert to Christ of Asia. So he says there, Ephenus is there in verse 6, greet Mary. Hey, I said last week, it's always good to run across a good name. Boy, Mary's a good name, isn't it? Greet Mary. We got that one down. And Mary has worked very hard for you. We don't know much about her. We just know that she's in this church and Paul says, hey, be sure and greet Mary. There's another Christian woman in, in verse, uh, verse 7. Also, greet Andrakondas and Juniah. Now, now, some of the manuscripts say Juna instead of Juniah, which means that, that makes that a feminine name. So more than likely, they were a Christian couple. They were a, a, a husband and wife. We know, he says, my relatives who have been in prison with me. Like Paul, they were jailbirds at one time. And look at what Paul says. They are outstanding among the apostles and were in Christ before I was. Now, I want you to grab something from that this morning also. The other thing I want to point out real quickly is Paul never says, I'm a Christian. You ever notice that? Paul always says, I am in Christ. Isn't that a great saying? We talked about this a little bit either last week or last Wednesday. So, so he says, I'm in Christ. Uh, Christ is in me. I'm in Christ. Uh, Christ living in me. But he says, they were Christians before I was. I'm sure like most good relatives, think about what this couple had been doing. They had been praying for Paul. You know, Saul of Tarsus, he was going around persecuting Christians. He was killing Christians. He was doing all of these things from Christians. And there's part of, of Saul's family who have accepted Christ and no doubt they had been praying for him. Folks, think about that. We see this in, in Paul's description. We see that, that he says, Hey, greet my family there, Andronicus and Juniah. The, greet them there for me. And, and hey, by the way, they were, they were Christians even before I was. And folks, as Christians, we need to be praying for our families. Now, real quick, I want to point out something. It says they were apostles with a little a, okay? If you're a little bit confused in that, because Revelation says the name of the 12 apostles are going to be written on the 12 gates of the new city, well, that's apostles with a capital A. The apostles with a little a simply means one who is sent forth. So today we have a lot of apostles, Little a, apostles, that, that, that someone who is sent forth like a missionary, someone who is sent, someone who goes to proclaim the gospel. So that's why uh, he, he proclaims them as apostles in Christ. So don't get that confused with one of the twelve. Let's keep reading in verse 8. He mentions a quartet of men here. 
And because of the structure of the language, we, we can understand they're single men living together as Christians. So we have this group of, of single men who are serving Christ. I kind of think about that as a, as a group of men who, who have gone somewhere and have, have built a home and, and from their home and as a missionary, they're going out in, in the city and they're serving Christ. Amphitius, who love, whose love is in the Lord. I want, to, I want to, whom I love in the Lord. Uh, and it's good that we can say that. I love him. And then he says, greet your banus. His name means a city fellow. I thought this was interesting. You know what we'd call him today? A city slicker. <laughs> he says, there's old Eubanus up there, that city slicker. He's our fellow worker in Christ. And my dear friend, Stachus. Uh, and here's the fourth, greet Apelles, who is tested and, proven, uh, and approved in Christ. You know, wouldn't that be great to be on your tombstone? Here lies so-and-so tested and approved in Christ. Keep reading. We find in the middle part of verse 10, greet those who belong, notice this phrase, to the household of Astrobilus. Boy, Astrobilus. And uh, that doesn't mean Astrobilus. It means his household. So we see this household. And uh, what does that mean? Well, during this time, uh, anyone in a household, let me just stop and take a pause for a moment lest your eyes are glazing over at this point. I'm headed somewhere with this, okay? We're going to get to the point. Maybe by noon, but we're going to get to the point. So he says, greet this family here, uh, this household. So during this time, wealthy people, they had servants, they had slaves, they had employees. Anybody who was related to that wealthy person was called his household. So as Paul writes... Uh, Astrobilus, he says, greet his household. And, and we know Astrobilus, he was a great son, grandson of Herod the Great, who was probably dead by now. Uh, but in his household, the slaves, the servants, the employees were all a part of the church. So he says, here's this family, this household, and, and greet all of those folks that are there, a part of this household. Uh, to me, it just come to mind that when I first came to church here, there was the Wicks family, and they're still here, but they made up half the church. You know, I mean, it was, uh, it was uh, Doug and his brother and his mother and the family, and I mean, so, so that's the picture. It's a different type of picture. He's saying, greet that household that, that are a part of this church. Look in verse 12. Also greet Tryphena and Trifolia. How many of you would name your daughters that? Now today, people might. Tryphena and Tryphosha, and, and those, he says, those are women who worked hard for the Lord. Now, from these names, you may figure out they're sisters and they're probably twins. But listen to what it means. The names mean delicate and dainty. So Paul says here, hey, tell delicate and dainty hello for me too. As, 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 as a family would do. Hey, tell old delicate and dainty. And he kind of has a play on words there. And they're working up a sweat for the Lord. That's not typical. You would hear someone that would be called delicate and dainty. But he says, tell them, hey, hey, I appreciate them. They're, they're greet my friends there. Also greet Persis, another woman who has worked very hard in the Lord. Why all these names? 
Why, why, why would we take time to, to, to say all of these things? And, and I want to ask you something. Are you learning something here? As we talk about all of these names, we see business women here working in these areas. We see tent makers. We see slaves. We see masters. We see servants. We see employees. We see the rich. We see the poor. We see all of these different people who is a variety of the body of Christ. And I believe when, when God instructed the, the author of Romans to list these things, take Paul's letter and write these things, that, that we could understand that Paul is talking about the body of Christ. In verse 13, he says, Greet Rufus. By the way, Rufus means red. So, so Paul says, Hey, say hello to Delicate and Danny and, and say something to red also. More than likely a nickname. He, he was probably someone who had red hair or, or a red tint to his skin. So Paul says, hey, not only delicate and dainty, but, but say something to Red. And, and his mother has been a mother to me too. Just think about that. Every true servant of the Lord uh, has great women from their past. Maybe those who, who have been raised or maybe those who, just, who, who served as a mother to so many. You know, in church and where I grew up in church, there were, there were so many ladies that had such an impact on me. And, and you know, we, I just loved them like my mother. I mean, they were just at the church. They were a part of the church. They were, they were there at vacation Bible school. They were there in the nursery. They were there teaching in the, in the primary ages and all of those things. They were just, they were just part of the church. And, and Paul says, greet her. Greet, greet Red's mom. She, she's been like a mother to me and a mother to so many. We know who Rufus is because you remember when Jesus was carrying the cross the day he was crucified and uh, he was falling beneath the weight of the cross and, and uh, the Roman soldier looked and said, Hey, you come carry his cross. And that was Cyrus of Cyrene, I think who his name was. And, and as he began to carry the cross, uh, we, we know that story. Well, well Simon of Cyrene, he was the father of Alexander and Rufus. So we see there, what, what do you think might have gone through the mind of Simon when he takes the cross from the Lord and when he carries the cross up to Golgotha? I'm sure Simon became a Christian and because of that there was an influence on his life and, and because of that there was an influence with his wife and then that mother that Paul's talking about, she had an influence over her sons Rufus and Alexander and, and in Ephesus, Ephesus he also helped Paul out. So see how that all works together? I mean, we see the family there. We see that, that all of these events have taken place. And I'm getting ready to close and I'm out of time. But I want to finish up with this. Then he says in verse 14, he mentions ten individuals. We don't know much about them, but I, I thought this would be something good just to look at. He says, Greet also Ansiritus, Hermes, Patrobus, and Hermes. And the brothers with them, and this last name here, greet Philenigus. Now let me tell you what that means. It means someone who is talkative. <laughs> Does that just not make you laugh at church? Do y'all know the, the ladies around here are men that are just talkative? One of them's here today. Yeah, and yeah, somebody even raised, but there's eyes looked around, you know. Y'all know who we're talking about. There's, 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 there's people in the church that, that they're just talkative. They just, they just love to visit. They love to talk. They love to be a part of that. And, and Paul says, hey, tell old talkative that, that I said, hey, 
You know, tell, tell her that, that I remember her. And, and then, then he goes on, he says, and, and also greet Julia and Nero's and his sister Olympus and all the saints there with them. Now, just to close this out, Nero's, we don't know much about him from the Bible, but listen, from secular history... We, we see that, that from secular history in the year 95 AD in the city of Rome, it was illegal to be a Christian. But there was a mayor there, a very prominent citizen named Claudius Flavius and his wife, Domitilla, and they became Christians. And because they became Christians uh, and they were in Rome, it was against the law to be a Christian, there was this big scandal and they was executed for being Christians. And... His wife also was executed, Domitilla, uh, and she was executed. And, and history says that he was also killed, this man named Nurkus. And, and was that not the same person? See, he was there in this town, and, and he led the mayor of Rome to Christ. We say, yeah, it cost them their life. Listen, it, it, it gave them a place in all of eternity, he gave them a place in heaven. So not only those who, who work for us and work under us or work evil, even with us, but, but even those who are above us, we see that, that in this church the, the, the message of Christ was being proclaimed. That's the lesson we learn as we meet his friends. As we think about the friends of Paul, we need to be sharing positive affirmations about our friends, about our spiritual family. This morning in church, can I, can I ask you this? How often do you make a point to say good things about those in the body of Christ? How often do you make that a point? I mean, not just, well, I would do that, but how, do you make that a point? I mean, look at what Paul did. He made it a point to say, hey, I remember all of these people. I remember their ministry. I remember who they were. I remember what they done. They were such of encouragement to me. They were such workers for Christ. They, they were in the communities working. They were among the church working. They were among the preachers working. Oh, they were such a blessing to me. They were such a joy to me. And you know what? When we look at the early church, it says there were thousands being added daily. You wonder why? Do you wonder why? Because people found a place, uh, found a place of love, and, and, and they were hearing the word spoken, I appreciate you, I love you, I, I think what you do, and I think of you often. And, and folks, I want to encourage you, if we have ability and opportunity, say good things about others. Say good things about one another our brothers and sisters in Christ, because that's what Paul's doing. He's saying, I have some good things to say about the church. I have some good things, some positive words of encouragement. It doesn't matter who you are or what you are. It's always nice to hear words of encouragement, isn't it? Do we not get tired of hearing negative things? I hate watching the news. They take any story and they try to turn it as bad as they can. If a tornado comes through and hits one house and the whole rest of the city's not touched, you'll watch 12 hours of one house from different angles. I mean, they want it to look as bad as it can, to be as bad as it can, to say as bad as it can. What is gossip? Man, we get the worst news. That spreads faster than anything. I want to encourage you as a church, let's, let's make it a, 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 a goal. Let's make it today something that we're going to be... a a positive, encouraging influence on our brothers in Christ. Now, this morning, we did not even get close to finishing, so next week, we're going to talk about personal affection. 
Boy, we hate that men, don't we? But don't skip out. I think you'll find it, you find it interesting. I want to read this one scripture, and we're going to close, and, and you're going to have to wonder all week what it means. Greet one another with a what? Holy kiss. Oh, my stars. East Delta has gone off the map. They're out there kissing one another. Well, we'll talk about what that means next week. Let's bow together this morning. Lord, I pray today that in this church that we find joy with one another, that we find joy in serving one another. I pray, Lord, that we would be uh, an encouraging group of individuals. As folks come to this church, and, and Lord, we need, we need a family. And Lord, we come from a diverse background, as, as we see this church that Paul's writing about has a diverse background. Father, we need a place where we can come and and we can find joy, we can find peace, we can find love and compassion, we can find acceptance, regardless who we are, from slave to free, from rich to poor, from employees to owners, wherever we fall, we see that Paul encouraged the church as a body of believers, as a body of Christ. And Lord, I pray that we would understand that that's your desire for the church that we would have positive words of encouragement. Lord, I pray that we'd be careful about just selecting those that we're closest to or that we know best. But Lord, I pray that we would work on building relationships, knowing people, knowing names, knowing families. Lord, I pray that you'd give us a boldness and the courage to just step out and say, hey, how are you today? And, and introduce and know who we are and know one another, that we can be an encouragement to one another. I pray that we would think about our own lives and the joy we find in encouraging one another, the joy we find in being encouraged. And Lord, I pray that we would practice that in this church, that our joy would be full, that our joy would be complete in you. Lord, I thank you that we're a part of this family of God. I thank you, Father, that we're bound together in you. And Lord, I pray today that we would leave this place as we would leave a family union with joy, with smiles, with laughter, with hugs, with great memories, and looking forward to what lies ahead. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.